This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 152. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. And Riley is the man who has to drive. No one else is allowed to drive. Riley must be the driver. And I am Jacob Paulson. And Jacob is the guy who is tired of losing to Riley. <laughs> and apparently being my passenger as well. <laughs> I don't mind being the passenger, actually. That's, that's A-OK by me. I can keep working while you're driving. But um, yeah, I am tired of losing. Like, I'm specifically a little bit sore about our Mantis X experience in Wisconsin. Yeah, well, you know, it was a it was a good competition. Yeah, I mean, you got close. <laughs> yeah. By the and way, then, guess guess what? Um, I saw just randomly on uh, Instagram, uh, John Korea. Uh, you know the guy from what is it, Active Self Protection? Yeah. Does all those nifty videos? Uh, he posted a, a photo apparently later in the day. Uh, at the Mantis uh, booth, and he got the exact same score I did. That was a popular <laughs> score. Uh, there was uh, one additional score that was even a little bit higher than the one we had seen earlier in the day. It was 96.2, I think. And Anyway, some of you out there listening probably don't even know what we're talking about, but uh, <laughs> you've probably heard us talk about the Mantis X trainings, uh, firearm training system, uh, which is not actually was not planned to be a uh, podcast sponsor today, but apparently they are an unofficial mentioned sponsor. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> they had a booth at the uh, NRA Carry Guard Expo, and uh, they do this, I think, just about every show they do. Uh, they basically do a 10-shot average of uh, you know trigger presses, and this was with uh, airsoft guns or BB guns or something, uh, CO2-powered. And, you know, the whole goal is how solid is that trigger press without disturbing the site alignment and uh jacob unfortunately sadly lost to me i made the i made the leaderboard i was top 10 but despite my deepest desires i, I couldn't beat you yeah <laughs> that was fun today's episode by the way we are talking about unconventional edc gear edc of course being everyday carry so this this should be a fun one we've got a whole list of I think really cool stuff to talk about as part of today's episode. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Andrew Branca's The Law of Self-Defense. ConcealedCarry.com and the Concealed Carry Podcast has joined forces with Andrew to bring you the best legal education related to the law of self-defense. Trust me, if you ever have to draw or use your gun in self-defense, you are going to want to know how to minimize your vulnerability to prosecution and conviction by helping your self-defense team build the most compelling narrative of innocence. Andrew has the resources you need through live in-person courses, online training, his best-selling book, The Law of Self-Defense, and now his newly released video DVDs. And we hope that you'll check it all out at concealedcarry.com forward slash L-O-S-D. Lincoln, Oscar, Sam, David, whatever. Law of self-defense. That's, yes. uh, <laughs> That's funny, right? Okay. And today's episode is also brought to you by the Brave Response Holster and Live Fire Drill Cards. And so... Let's get into today's content, which is unconventional EDC gear. 
I'll go ahead and turn off our nifty theme music here. <laughs> so, Jacob, uh, I think it was kind of it was your idea to to do this topic today, and I thought, hey, this is a really great idea. Uh, I don't think we've ever really touched on this too much. I mean, so often on the concealed on the concealed carry podcast, and perhaps you you'll start to see us branch out a little bit more. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I mean, we are talking about concealed carry, concealed carry of firearms, uh, primarily. That's mostly what we talk about. But we are very passionate about all aspects of self-defense. And we have had, you know, different topics and things that have explored other avenues. Uh, but today we're going to talk about everything but the gun, essentially. And what all those other EDC things might be. Uh, particularly unconventional ones. And I have a challenge for you, Jacob. Uh, okay. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. You had no idea this was coming. But I say we take everything out of the pockets right here, right now. Let's see, let's see what kind of EDC gear we have on us. Oh, right uh, okay. I mean, you're talking about some serious breakdown. There's some things I can't exactly pull out of my pockets because they're not in pockets. Oh, yeah. You have your fancy belt. Oh, I got with... all sorts of things going on. Well, okay. Look. Let me let's, let me get started here. Okay, here we go. Here we go. All right, I I've got here uh, today is a Glock forty three. I'm carrying. I told you we we're going to talk about everything but the gun, but I am telling you at least what I have on me today. I'm carrying the Glock forty three in a Haley Haley Strategic G Code uh, holster appendix. Been trying that one out the last week or so. Loving it. It's pretty cool. Over here, I've got two spare Glock 43 mags. All of my mags for my 43 have Pierce extension grips plus one, so they are seven rounders instead of six rounders that come from Glock. Carrying those spare mags in a... What is this? This is the... Oh, on your six designs, uh, OWB mag pouch. Left pocket, I've got clipped there a Streamlight MicroStream flashlight. That is my go-to for a lot of things. Got my wallet with stuff in it, obviously. Keys in a pocket. Let's go to the other side. Pocket knife. Columbia River Knife and Tool CRKT. This is the Fossil, Ecoma Design Fossil uh, with VEF serrations. Really, really cool knife. It is my... It's pretty much my favorite knife. I love it. It's awesome. Um, let's see. I've got some eye drops. I wear contacts, and uh, sometimes you know eye drops are good to have. I've got some ballistics lip balm. Uh, I've got a little credit card slash business card holder from LEG Tactical. Love it. Ooh, ooh, ooh! What else do we have, Jacob? I've got down here on my ankle. Uh, wilderness tacticals uh ankle cuff um what did we decide this thing was called <laughs> oh it's uh i can't remember anyway this is an ankle cuff uh basically a hol- holster we'll call it a holster but it's not holding a gun it's, i've got some uh medical grade duct tape i've got some quick clot um, uh, dressing material. I've got a tourniquet. I've got a Sharpie. And I have a second knife. This is the CRKT Homeland. Another knife that I really like. And I like it in this position in, in this little uh, wilderness tactical ankle cuff pouch thing because it is very slim. So it doesn't add a whole lot to the bulk. And then I've got some uh, uh, gloves, medical, you know, uh, uh, gloves. Um, so there you go. I think that. Do I have everything? 
I think that's pretty much it. Oh, watch. I've got my uh, Casio. I don't remember what model this is, but it's a G-Shock watch. Solid watch. It's pretty old now. I've had it for probably, I don't know, four or five years now, but it's taken a beating and still ticking. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's all my gear, man. That's what I got on me today. It's not bad. That's not bad. All right. So I've been emptying my pockets while you've been talking. So I have a Glock 19 and I have one spare mag, which ironically means I think I still have more ammo than you do. I know. <laughs> Even though you have two spare mags, right? Cause you're carrying, you are you going seven, seven, seven plus one? That's right. So I have a total of 22. 22 rounds. Yeah. And I have 31. Yep. Okay. Um, I have here cell phone, which debatably is something we should talk about later. I also have the Streamlight MicroStream. I keep it in the holster in one of my mag pouches uh, using the Brave Response holster today. So I have the uh, MicroStream light in one pouch, the spare mag in another. And then the third spare mag pouch, I actually have this little metal canister. Um, it's actually designed to hold uh, these little earplugs that you would use if you were a musician, like you go up on stage in a concert and you don't want to get blasted out by your own by your own music, so you're supposed to put these in to protect your ears. But I have yanked those suckers out because they suck, and I've put in just one really decent uh, earplug because I, <laughs> listeners may not know this, I'm deaf in one ear. So I only, know, I only need one earplug. And so that comes in really handy, not for shooting. Actually, I've never used it for shooting. I use it at school events at my kid's school that are too loud. You know, anytime the church choir thinks they have to get up on Sunday, uh, things like that comes in very handy. Um, I have here my wallet. Now, in my wallet, two things that are probably noteworthy. I have a lock pick kit and I have a credit card knife. You have various kind of standard. We've seen them, credit card folding uh, knives that uh, doesn't fly. Got to come out when I get on the plane. I have my keys. On my keychain, the only thing worth mentioning is I do have a USB drive key. You know, look, it's just a standard kind of thumb drive, but it's on a keychain. Uh, looks like a key, but it's it's a USB drive. I have uh, my knife, which is, as everybody who listens regularly knows, my SOG reactor, which they've discontinued, Riley. <sighs> Very frustrated with SOG for discontinuing. You call that a knife? I cannot believe you just said that. That's so insulting. This is a great knife. Um, it's really phenomenal because uh, what I wanted was I wanted a multi-tool um, that was both that had a decent knife. And what I found is looking at like the standard Leathermans and Ger- you know Gerber's and whatever, like all the kind of standard multi-tools on the marketplace, all of them put pliers first, knife second. In other words, the knife is very slow to deploy. You have to open the entire thing out and then fold out the knife. But the SOG reactor is the only multi-tool I could find that has a very fast deploying knife. I don't have to unfold the thing to get to the knife. The knife just pops right out. So it is a Mm. pair of pliers. It does have screwdriver, but it's very wave though. The Leatherman wave is is pretty cool. Uh, Maybe I should try it. Maybe if when I lose this one to the TSA, which I'm prone to do, I will uh, have to buy a Leatherman wave because they don't make the reactors anymore. I have um, my belt. My belt is awesome. I, as everybody knows, I, use, I wear the Wilderness Tactical Belt, and it has a money pouch. So in there is an uh, uh, unspecified amount of cash, a handcuff key, and a small little razor blade, which also has to come out when I fly. So that's something I always have to remember before I hit the metal detectors. And today, I'm not wearing the shoes, but uh, you know, I do have some special shoes slash shoelaces that I'll talk about as we get into this. Nice. Well, that was a fun exercise, don't you think? Uh, I'm yeah. trying to think if there's anything, though, that we forgot. 
And and that's kind of the point of, well, at least that's maybe a point that we will make today with this episode is, I'm sure for some of you listening, you are going to hear of some things that you're like, huh, I never thought of that, or I never thought of carrying that as part of my EDC kit. And so, yeah, let's see. As we go down the, the list, we've kind of made a list. And is this a complete 100% fully comprehensive list of everything that a person might carry? Probably not. I added a few things uh, towards the bottom that uh, that maybe we hadn't really thought of right off the top of our heads. But, I mean, these are certainly some some possibilities. But let's see. Flashlight. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I was going to add quickly, right, before we get oh, sure. into some detail, sure. that you know, EDC items also should change based on circumstance and environment. So there are some things that, you know, would I would say call go-to EDC things when I'm doing XYZ activities or I'm going to be traveling or, you know, like I have a plain EDC stuff, you know, that's different than my everyday. So, so EDC doesn't have to be restricted to, okay, all of the following things I'm going to carry every day for sure. EDC can be more broadly thought of as different circumstances or plans call for different EDC. You know, kind of my philosophy, Jacob, is with a lot of my gear is I, I kind of uh, classify things based on the immediacy. Is that the word? Immediate? What's the word? Immediacy. <laughs> that is works. It, is it immediacy That's a real word? word. I don't know what you're trying to say. I don't I, I, I'm For some reason, it sounds weird to me. Uh, but, you know, depending on how suddenly or immediately I might need an, an item uh, is kind of where I draw the line as far as do I carry that on my person or not. Um, granted, I some of these things maybe I don't need immediately all the time, um, but like my, my eye drops, there's times where I just, I have really sensitive eyes and I wear contacts and there's been times I've been, I've been caught, you know, away from home and all of a sudden I can't see. You know, so that's where I started adding eye drops to my EDC uh, lifestyle because I I literally had to drive home almost blind one time because I could not get whatever was in my eyes, uh, you know, cleared up and get my contacts to work uh, properly. Um, lip balm or, or chapstick, I, I use it all the time. So for me, it is an, an immediate thing that I require. Uh, but some things, I might not have a high probability of needing them, but if in the event that I do need them, uh, like a really fast or really immediately, well, then it's kind of like, you know, like an insurance um, underwriter would, would rate certain things as the likelihood of they might of, of them happening, but then it might be a low chance of something happening, but in the event it does, it's a high, you know, potential for loss. You still, you know, there's a way of kind of grading those sorts of things, right? And so that's why now I've got a, a tourniquet on me all the time. I mean, I don't anticipate needing it, tomorrow, today, next week, but in the event that I do need it, chances are I need it now. And so it's it's funny because I mean you say that and it makes me think about the gun, you know, which we're not talking about the gun today, but you know how what are the odds that any of us actually need the gun today? Well very low. Very, very low. But yet most of the people who are listening to this carry that gun every day. And certainly you and I do. And so essentially what we've said is the potential for need outweighs the inconvenience. And and that's what this is really about. As we go through this list, you guys say, does the potential for need outweigh the inconvenience? And and most of these things, 
you know, that we just named We Carry On Us Every Day, the inconvenience to us is nil. So the potential for need is irrelevant because we figure why not? Um, but some of these things that we talk about, you know, the inconvenience starts to increase. And so that's where we have to weigh it in. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, which is kind of why, um, you know, I don't I don't have a fire starter on me all the time like you do. Now, for you, I think it's pretty convenient because you got that one of those little uh, uh, paracord bracelets. Let's and it's and it's got and it's got it's got the built-in fire starter. Often, in, right? yeah, that'll be one thing I might wear. Yeah, right. You know, and and like it's cool and like that's fairly convenient to carry on you. Like it that doesn't you know that's probably that's not that's not asking a lot to throw that on a wrist, uh, but the chance that you'll need that fire starter today or tomorrow, not very high. And especially when you think in context of like, what am I doing today? What am I doing tomorrow? Uh, am I, you know, venturing out far from home to where I'm going to get stranded and it's cold and I need to start that fire? Eh, probably not, you know, but in a month I might be hunting or something. And, and, and then that, that likelihood of potentially needing that increases dramatically. So I, I really, I think I, we see two categories of, of items. You see items that you may not need anytime, but in the event you do need them, it's really critical that you need them right then and there. And then you have items that maybe, you know, I'm not going to die if I don't have chapstick on me. Um, by the way, there's a secondary purpose for it. And I'll talk about that a little bit later, but it's something I use every day. And so thus it's in the EDC, a knife, you know, it also has, it, it's beautiful because it serves two purposes. I could use this as a defensive, you know, implement, uh, save my life with it potentially. So that's really cool. The likelihood of that being the, the the need or meaning, you know, that I need to use this to save my life, not very high, but I use my knife every day. So of course you're going to have it on you. But anyway, so I dig- I digress. Let's get back now, I think, to talk about some of the detail. Um, you and I both had Honest flashlights. Yes. That's another one I, I use on an almost daily basis, time. you know, even just to slip outside into the backyard. It's night. Um, I, you know, use this yeah, all the time. I've used it in the, the, the last 30 minutes. I was just uh, working on removing a mount off of a side mount gun safe down in the basement and I whipped out the flashlight so I could see inside of the gun safe where it's, you know, very dark so I could see where the mounting screws were. So, yeah, flashlight all the time. And it's, that, it's also a very low, you know, inconvenience thing. And I, I'd also say something that most people would not deem weird or bizarre. I think you can get away with having a flashlight not seeming like a weirdo. Um, now, some flashlights are bigger than others, and so there's a lot of different ways one might carry a flashlight on you. But a lot of them have belt clips or something. You just clip it in. Uh, some people, depending on the profession you're in, it might not be a big deal to have like a, a belt pouch, you know, where a light could could be placed. Uh, but yeah, I, I keep mine quite literally in my holster in one of the mag pouches. Yeah, I've got, um, you know, well, we both have the Streamlight Micro Stream. Uh, great little lights for EDC because it, it's it, it's not inconvenient at all. It takes up very little space, uh, whether it's in a pouch, whether it's in your belt, whether it's in a pocket. Uh, they're also extremely utilitarian. I mean, it's got one of those reversible, you know, S-shaped clips. Uh, if I really needed to, I can I, I can actually clip this to my hat so I can use it hands-free. Um, you know, of course, it clips on the pocket nicely as well. It's got a momentary on switch, which is huge for me. I hate click, 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 click. Uh, but at the same time, you can click it and leave it on uh, full time. Now, the one downside of these flights is they're not terribly bright. I think it's like 60 lumens or something, which is not a lot. But it you'd be surprised, especially in really dark scenarios, 
it, it puts out more light than you expect. Um, so I do have larger flashlights, but I'm not always carrying them, uh, depending on how I'm dressed, what I'm wearing, uh, depending on the size of pockets, and if having a larger light interrupts the process of something else. Like if, for instance, I've got this outside waistband uh, spare mag pouch from On Your Six Designs. And while I love the mag pouch because I can carry two mags and they're super tight and close to the body, like I never worry about this thing printing, even though it's OWB, uh, they are Glock 43 mags. But when I wear this, uh, where I normally would carry a little bit larger uh, flashlight in a, in that side pocket, I can't get to that flashlight because that mag pouch is in the way. So I go to the little micro stream. So uh, spare mags, I don't know that we need to really... You know, we both had them. Uh, I think it's good to have. I don't know that we need to hash this out. We've talked about it before. More ammo is good. Yeah. yeah. And there's lots of ways to carry a spare mag. I'll add, you know, if that seems challenging, <clears throat> there's endless numbers of mag pouches, some holsters that have mag pouches. Some people just stick a mag in a pocket. That's better than not having one. Um, we talked about the snag mag that we saw in Wisconsin last week um, as a, as kind of a, you know, EDC style mag carrier, you know, covert kind of product. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to carry a spare mag. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to, uh, go check out, you know, we did talk about that one quite a bit. That was episode 151, just this most recent episode where we highlighted, uh, different things we saw at the carry guard expo. Uh, snag mag was cool product. I mean, it makes it look like you just have a, a knife with a clip on it in your pocket. And in reality, it's holding a a mag, a spare mag. So it's pretty cool. You uh, have in here, cause I, you were just, you know, typing this into our outline notes here, tourniquet and trauma kit. Uh, I've been really getting big on this recently. It's been uh, something I've, I should have done a lot uh, for a lot longer. Should have done this, you know, years ago, as far as uh, having myself be prepared in this regard. Uh, and uh, there are some great products out there that make this so much easier now. And we talked about it also in that last episode, this wilderness tactical ankle rig uh, that I've got, that I've got tourniquet and I've got all these other things, uh, trauma-related uh, things that can very much save a life uh, where otherwise you might you know, be hard-pressed to do that same thing. I, I used the example in the last episode of a, of a cop that shot a suspect, and that dude was... His, you know, the bullet passed through and severed it, uh, uh, his femoral artery. Blood everywhere. I mean, just gushing, gushing, gushing. And the cop immediately is able to apply a tourniquet and save that that guy's life. Um, that's pretty cool. And frankly, that sort of stuff doesn't make it out into the media as much as it probably ought to. You know, we, we see the negative. Well, you know, this cop shot, you know, some supposed self or excuse me, uh, what's the word? Defenseless, you know, criminal. Uh, and he died. And here we've got plenty of examples too out there where cops save people's lives, even when they probably shouldn't in some people's opinions. Sure. A thought about a tourniquet and other you know, medical related stuff is that, you know, as we go down this list of all the things you could carry on you, EDC items, this is one where a certain amount of training and knowledge is implied. I mean, that, that tourniquet being on you is worthless if you don't know how to apply it. And I'll also add self-application. It's one thing to be able to apply it to somebody else, another thing altogether to be able to apply it to yourself, uh, especially if you're putting it on an, yeah. on an arm, and then you need to be able to do that one-handed. So um, tourniquet and other related medical supplies, you know, definitely something I would have on me when I'm at the range, you know, kind of thing I don't want to have to go searching for when bullet wounds are more likely. If you can manage to carry it on you every day like Riley does, and I'm considering in some way or another, then I think that's, that's really awesome, but certainly have some training as to how to apply that thing. 
Yeah, speaking of which, I'm glad you brought that up uh, because when we're thinking about our EDC gear, we should be thinking about those sorts of things. You know, the utility, the actual utility of it, uh, whether it's useless in certain circumstances. Yeah, a soft T um, tourniquet, uh, which is, you know, there's there's really three main major types, uh, maybe four, but, you know, I'm thinking of the cat tourniquets. Uh, TK4 tourniquets, soft T tourniquets. I feel like there's the one more out there, but oh, the SWAT tourniquet. That's right. I knew I was missing one. Uh, I am, you know, they're all, they all serve a purpose. They all do the job. They basically stop blood loss in uh, appropriate applications. Uh, the soft T tourniquets are, are tricky because I think for the average person, those are probably pretty hard to self apply. Um, the cat tourniquets are probably the best and the easiest to self-apply, but they're also the biggest and the bulkiest. And so there's that, there's that trade-off. I've got here a TK4 tourniquet, which I really like because it's a, it's a nice balance of size, but yet it's still fairly easy to apply to oneself, to a leg or to an arm. Um, I probably will add a soft T tourniquet into this, this ankle rig as well, uh, mainly because I want to have a second one just in case, uh, particularly using on someone else. Um, and a soft tea tourniquet doesn't take up a lot of space. You know, they're, they're very compact. That's one of their advantages. So anyway, there you go. Good, good thoughts there, Jacob. You mentioned, and now you've got one on you, a handcuff mm-hmm. key. Yep. Um, you know, this is definitely one of those, like, what are the odds? The pretty, odds are pretty low. I'll ever need a handcuff, a handcuff key. But the inconvenience of carrying one for me is zero. So I have no issue having one. I, I used to always have two, in fact, one on the, my keychain and another one in my belt. But I no longer keep it on the keychain. I've really gone to some effort to try and reduce the bulk on my keychain. But uh, I still have one in my belt. And that's relatively easy to access, even if my hands were behind my back. And so, yeah, I, I say why not on a handcuff key? They cost less than a buck. I think we sell them. And they're just... Really easy. Another cool thing I'll mention about a handcuff key is sometimes on a rare occasion, a handcuff key comes in handy for other uses. I know that sounds really ridiculous, but on the back end of a hand, of the handcuff key, not on the actual key part, but on the other end is sort of a pin type thing. And it, it has application in, in the use of a handcuff, but I've found I can also use it for a lot of other things. When I'm like, I need something small and pokey to stick in something, like grab that handcuff key and that mm. often comes in handy. You know, I'm glad you mentioned handcuff key. And, you know, for a lot of years, I've carried a handcuff key as well in in, in a variety of ways. Uh, frankly, you know, funny story, actually. The last time uh, I had one in my wallet, I, I no longer have one in my wallet because the last one got taken away and I, I just never replaced it. Uh, sometimes I've got, you know, two or three handcuff keys in different places on me. Um, funny story is I go to a city of Denver um, office building, you know, it's a government building. This was years ago. And in my, in my wallet, and I've got a, a, a badge uh, or wallet badge. Uh, and I don't always carry it on me. Uh, there's definitely that concern that if I was to get robbed, you know, somebody's going to see that badge inside there. And, you know, I've got different ways of, of getting around that, but I had a handcuff key hidden inside this wallet with my badge and I go through security. They had a, a metal detector. They had an x-ray machine and just to get into this gov- this city, you know, of Denver government building. And so I put my wallet in there and I get through the other side and, you know, the security person pulls me aside. They say, hey, you got something inside that wallet um, you can't have. You can't bring that into this building. And I'm like, what's that? They're like, well, it's a handcuff key. And I'm like, really? They're like, well, yeah, it's it's against policy. And I'm like, 
do you see I have a badge right next to it in my wallet? And they're like, sorry, sir. I'm like, you got to be kidding mind me. Blowing. <laughs> right? Oh, man. Yeah, blew me away. TSA is so, cool anyway. You know, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know why the city of county weird. of Denver can't handle the handcuff key being on somebody, especially if they have a badge. Yeah. But you've prompted me, by the way, to add a handcuff key to this uh, wilderness tactical. Yeah, that's rig. a good. That's a good place to have oh. them. Bam, got it. It's in because I have. I always have several keys sitting here at my desk. How about cash? I think that's a no-brainer. It's probably a good idea to always have some cash. Yeah, I'm not here. a cash guy. Uh, you know, in the traditional sense, if I open my wallet right now, I doubt there's any cash in there. It, it would surprise me if there were. I just don't carry cash. I'm a plastic kind of guy. That's the way I roll 100% all the time. Love my cash back rewards. But uh, for emergencies, I think it's really important to have cash. You know, if I were to be in a situation where plastic may not be accepted or who knows whatever else, uh, you know, you need to have some cash. So I keep cash. The easiest place for me to keep is folded up in my money belt uh, from Wilderness Tactical. So that's what I do. I keep cash in my belt. Boy, it's starting to sound like Wilderness Tactical is also another uh, unofficial sponsor of today's yeah, episode. Yeah, we'll send this to them <laughs> after the fact, and maybe they'll send us like some sponsorship dollars. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, cash saved me uh, a couple years ago when I was traveling, and uh, something happened with my with my accounts, and everything got locked. And I was a long ways from home, and I didn't have any working credit cards, debit cards, and nothing. Everything was... Shut down. And fortunately, I had I had a fair amount of cash on me, and so that that saved me. So that's that's I've a good had more idea. More awkward situations than that. I mean, I'll tell you though, the first one I'll never forget. I was like 16 years old, driving through a Wendy's drive-through with a girlfriend, and uh, you know I'm in high school, and pull up to the drive-through and they wouldn't take plastic. And I've never been a cash guy. I've always had plastic. So I was like, "What? You don't take like this is Wendy's, you know?" And they're like, "Sorry." So I literally had to whip my belt off, 16 years old, in my car next to a girlfriend and pull cash out of it. Of course, then she thought I was really cool, so I scored extra points for that. But but it's, you know, many times in my life, I've had to whip off a belt and pull cash out to pay somebody. Dude, you are one classy dude. You know, Wendy's for, for a day. Hey, yeah, that's how we roll, you know? <laughs> Uh, knife. Next thing on our list, uh, I think a knife is a must-have, not only for the, uh, like I said earlier, the self-defense application. I mean, this certainly is something that can be used in that context. More often than not, I'm using it on a daily basis for utility. Uh, opening a package, opening a box, uh, whatever, you know, cutting a little piece of rope, string, uh, all sorts of things. Opening letters. Uh, my knives get used for everything. I quite often have two or more on me. Uh, some, for some people, that might be a little bit overkill. I definitely see nothing wrong with having a backup knife, just like I, I see nothing wrong with having a backup gun. I don't often have a backup gun on me, uh, especially when I've got spare ammo, but it's, you know, good good to have a knife and maybe two or three. Yeah, yeah, more knives. And I would add that, <clears throat> and I'll talk about this later, but I think a knife is an underutilized opportunity. And what I mean by that is, I know a lot of people who carry around a pocket knife, and I think great, awesome. Like you're already carrying around a pocket knife. Well, if you already have a knife on you, there's a lot of other things you could add to that with very limited additional bulk, right? So if you already have a knife, having some sort of multi-tool, even if it's a Swiss army knife instead of your standard knife, you know, you add some other tools uh, to your EDC package without additional bulk because you're going to carry the knife anyway. So just my other two cents there about the knife. Well, yeah, that's fair. And, and probably what I would do is I would have a a tactical knife 
And then I would also have a Swiss Army knife. And I actually do have a Swiss Army knife that sometimes I throw in the pocket because of its multi-use, multi-tool type uh, capabilities. Uh, but I would, me personally, I would never replace a tactical knife with a Swiss Army knife or any knife that requires some effort to open. Um, I definitely have knives. If I'm going to have a knife on me for defense, it's got to be quick deployment. And I'm even get to the point now where I'm looking at carrying, and I, I have from time to time done this, but I'm starting to get really serious about it. And that is carrying a fixed blade knife for the defensive application, because that's always faster to deploy and use in a defensive scenario than a even a you know quick deploy, uh, you know, knife. like this CRKT fossil. You know, like I can get this out pretty fast, but fixed blade is always faster. Yeah, no, I, and I don't disagree with you at all. I'm just saying that it, you know, ask yourself, hey, this I'm already carrying around a knife. You know, this particular kind of knife I have, could I add utility without sacrificing the application of the knife or not? If you just kind of get a standard like little three inch fold blade knife, you might be able to get more utility out of that. that that's 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 where I'm at. That's why I love my SOG reactor. Here's something on our list that neither one of us really had on us, I don't think. Or did did you have your bracelet or not? I don't have I don't my remember. bracelet on me today. No. Or the right shoes for that matter. So th- this one was rope. Uh, this is the next thing on the, on the list, which rope is usually kind of bulky and it's not like you're going to carry around a lot of it if you do with you, but and most likely if you're going to carry something on your person, you're probably going to use some sort of, uh, you know, parachute type cord or paracord. And so, yeah, that's, that'd be a great thing to have. And neither one of us had it on us today. I certainly have carried rope with me from time to time. You'd probably do so more often because of your little, you know, fire starting rope, you know, bracelet thing. Yeah, I also have a pair of uh, paracord-esque shoelaces that go on my outdoor boots. So if I'm doing something outdoors-ish, if I'm hiking, camping, whatever, then my shoelaces are made out of a really nice paracord as well. Um, And I'll I'll usually wear the bracelet. But yeah, anyway, I think my my flight pack, also my flight EDC bag, actually this little bag I throw in to my carry-on if I'm on a plane, it also has uh, a good strand of, uh, of paracord. Nice. Cool. Uh, you know, there's definitely some opportunities and I've even seen belts that people have made or perhaps they've bought uh, that use a, a lot of paracord to make this belt or it's incorporated into it somehow. And, and you know, that could come in handy as well. Uh, let's see. Firestarter. I kind of touched on that earlier. Uh, I, I gave away that, you know, you usually have one on you uh, as part of this little bracelet that you wear that also contains your, your paracord. Uh what other maybe what maybe what are some of the other uh, what's some of the other logic or reasoning you know as to why you might have a, a fire starter on you, Jacob? Well, I just think fire is really important uh, in a survival you know semi survivals type esque situation out in the woods or whatever. I mean, the two things you really need are clean water and fire. Um, if you can get those two things, you're probably going to do pretty well. Uh, food, I guess, would be short after that list. But you really need water and you really need fire. So I think fire is really, really valuable and important. Now, here, here's the funny thing is, this is another one of those tools where I see a lot of people carrying them around that I wonder how many people actually know how to use them. So, I, you know, if I see somebody rocking one of those cool paracord bracelets and, and walking around with it, I often think, if I asked you right now to whip that sucker out and make me a fire, could you do it? And I suspect most couldn't. Now, I'm just totally guessing, but, uh, you know, I don't know how many are, are true Boy Scouts or whatever. 
But, uh, you know, this is another one of those, like, if you have it, know how to use it kind of tools. Also, I mentioned those uh, paracord shoelaces that I have on my on my bigger boots. Um, those also, at the end of the laces, have ferro rods and strikers. So I could, you know, in theory, those those laces also would, would help me start a fire. Mm. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I'm a big-time survivalist. Like, I, I love... In fact, years ago, I haven't done this in some time, uh, particularly since my, my kids got a little bit older, but there was a time in my life where I would actually, uh, once a year at least, I'd, I would try to disappear for a couple of days just by myself, um, just as a one, an opportunity to get away from uh, society, from technology, from the influences of you know our day-to-day lives in, in the world, uh, to just kind of you know, get my thoughts and, and, uh, all that just, you know, get, get myself back into a good place and not like I would get unstable or anything. Just, it, it was very, I think most of you probably understand what I mean is very therapeutic to, to get away from things, uh, focus on, on what really matters in life and, and where you're going and where you're headed. And, and it's also fun to have that challenge or that test to disappear you know, hey, can I make it through a couple of days by myself with minimal resources? Uh, and I, I, I would do that as a little personal challenge. Haven't done that in, in some time, but uh, so I get the aspect and, and and all that of a fire starter. I just don't carry one on me all the time right now, but I definitely would if I'm going out away from home for for a time. Multi tools are incredibly valuable. Uh, I used to, I say used to because up until I just need to order a new holster for mine, but up until a couple of months ago, uh, I, I carried a, a multi-tool on me all the time, uh, because it's kind of like my knife. I used it and I do use them all the time and I've been missing it. <laughs> Apparently not enough. Cause I haven't spent the $15 or whatever to order a new little pouch or holster for my, uh, mine is the Leatherman wave is my, my uh, multi-tool of choice. I, I just love having multi-tool. There's so many things you can do with it. The Wave has uh, even a little wood saw. I've cut pretty substantial chunks of wood. Uh, I've cut two-by-fours, you know, with the little saw on that uh, Leatherman Wave. And you'd be surprised how fast you can get through all that material with that saw. It's got a file. I use that file all the time. In fact, I was just using it the other day, making some uh, minor modifications to a holster of mine. Uh, Jacob, you know me. I... I I get holsters. I like a lot of different holsters. I, I carry with a different, few different holsters. Quite often, though, I find these little things about them. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make just a little tweak. And you'd be surprised how often I've cut things off of a Kydex holster using my saw on my Leatherman Wave and then smoothed it over with the file. So uh, that's been hel- helpful. Uh, you got knife. You got screwdriver. You got bottle opener, can opener, scissors. I've used those scissors a ton. Uh, yeah, I love, love my Letterman wave and I love multi-tools in general. Yeah, I just think uh, it's an easy way to have a lot of utility in a very small package, you know, all, all those kinds of tools that you can get. And it doesn't take much, you know, the, the wave is nice because it has a, wait, am I thinking of the wave? Which is the Leatherman that has the belt clip that will clip onto, onto your pocket? Yeah, that, uh, the wingman, wingman I think yes. is the other one. And I've got one yeah, of those. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I do too. The Leatherman wingman, uh, those are really nice because also you can clip that in just like you would a pocket knife on your, on your pocket or whatever. Um, so there's just a lot of opportunity there to get a lot in a tight package. And they also have mini ones now. You can get mini little multi-tools that go on a keychain. I have one uh, that's TSA approved, so obviously it has no knife, but it has a bunch of other tools that I uh, on occasion will throw in a keychain or, or throw in my travel kit. So there's just a lot of 
I mean, it's a huge marketplace. Multi-tools are. I mean, there's so many companies that make them. There's so many options out there. And to not carry one around, something around every day like that, I, I think is a, a lost opportunity. Yeah. You know, that's a... We'll kind of get into this in a moment here where we talk about, about maybe some EDC things that can make some really good weapons. But I was thinking with multi-tools. Uh, if you deployed, particularly like a Leatherman Wave, I mean, it's pretty substantial. It's got a little bit of weight and heft to it. And if you opened it up to the pliers, those pliers could be a very effective striking tool. Uh, deadly, of course, even. Uh, you know, I mean, it's like, well, why would you use that as opposed to a knife? I don't know, but it could be a striking tool. Um, you've got uh, flashlights, too, that can be very effective striking tools. Some flashlights that, you know, they might as well be, a, you know, a, a baton or a kabuton. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, you, there's a lot of opportunities here, even in some of these day-to-day kind of more utilitarian type EDC things that can also be weapons uh, used in appropriate contexts. Well, how about a pen or or paper or what about tactical pens, Jacob? I'm curious about your thoughts. Yeah, so here, here I actually have some beef with tactical pens in, in terms of just the general premise. And uh, my beef is not that they exist or that people think they're awesome. Uh, that's not my beef. My my beef is that most tactical pens are extraordinarily, uh, obviously tactical pens. That you don't really, you can't really get a covert tactical pen. So that's my first issue. Is that you know, it's like you have to p- pack around this like gaudy, beastly thing that looks like, you know, you're trying to you know stab someone's you know neck. Um, my other issue with tactical pens is the actual application is is so simple that you don't need a tactical pen to apply it. So in other words, the premise of a tactical pen is that it's it's just a striking tool that I just can hit somebody with it and it'll get the job done. And it will be strong enough that as an impact tool, it's not going to break, snap, or bend uh, when I strike. But you don't actually need some $30 fancy titanium aircraft aluminum whatever pen to pull that off. I mean, your average, any any pen with a, a strong, complete metal shaft will get that job done just as well as probably the $30 thing that looks like, you know, Survivor, Survivor Joe, you know, has. And so I, I am inclined to say that a pen is a good idea if you can have one with you all the time, but you don't need you know, some big, massive, fancy tactical pen, any, you know, zebra pen is probably going to get the job done. I was actually talking to a friend of mine once who works for the Department of Defense, and he's a pretty serious dude. And uh, we were talking about this. And and he was talking about how the TSA was kind of starting to crack down a little bit on, on tactical pens, pens that were obviously potential weapons. And we had this discussion about how, you know, any, any, pen with it's a full solid metal shaft to get the job done as far as an impact weapon but beyond the weapon capability i think there's a ton of other just real practical good uses of having a pen on you all the time uh, i mean sometimes you just need to jot some things down of what have happened you know observe and report or, or other situations like that a pen's a good thing to have obviously if you have a pen uh, that would kind of infer you need something to write on though yeah that's true i mean i i have always tried to carry a little notebook on me uh, my problem is I don't always have a practical place to carry it. And, and so meaning like it's either in a back pocket, maybe a front pocket. Uh, the best thing that works is if you have cargo pockets, which I don't always, uh, but, but the problem with the other pockets is that that notebook gets just destroyed, you know, gets all bent and warped and dirty and yeah. So, that's been a lifesaver for me in a lot of uh, during a lot of times where I've been able to jot something down really fast. Um, And I usually don't have a notebook too far from me uh, or a little notepad, but uh, 
I do try to always have a pen on me. That's kind of one thing that people generally know or they'll remember about me is is that I frequently have a pen on me because I just hate being somewhere I need one and not having it. Uh, so good to have a pen. Tactical pens. I don't have any problem with a tactical pen. If it's if if I had one that's uh, if I if I'm carrying one that's tactical or tactical looking, then I'm probably carrying it more concealed uh, because I'm like you as far as I don't want to advertise the fact I have this tactical pen. So, yeah. Anyway, just my my two bits there. What about uh, other blades, types of blades? And we talked about knives, um, but you know, is there any sort of use for, or does it make sense, Jacob, to carry razor blades or box cutters, utility knives, anything like that? So I do keep a razor blade in my belt when I'm not traveling via air airlines. Uh, and I, and I, I think there is some, some use for one. I think it's smaller package. So it's easier to conceal. If I were to lose my knife or something, I'd have a secondary blade. We talked about having a backup knife earlier. And so for me, I think often of that razor blade as a backup knife, but it's smaller, it's, it's more concealed and I don't have to you know, think about it or put it on. It just comes right on with my belt. So that, that's kind of where I'm at in, in that camp. There are, there some applications where one is a better tool than the other in terms of the a razor blade or utility knife versus a, a standard you know, folding knife. Sure. Yeah, that might be, but for me, it's just, it's strictly the idea of having a backup blade. Yeah. Cool. I, I don't know that I've ever really carried a razor blade just, you know, on me somewhere, maybe something worth at least thinking about. I don't know. Kind of cool. Um, extra phone battery charger or power. Yep. So it's funny because in the survivalist, you know, community industry, I think that there's so much emphasis on non non tech stuff. You know, when we talk about EDC, we don't we don't think of things like computers and phones and gadgets. But the truth is, today, I mean, a cell phone is a massive survival tool. Uh, one that we take for granted in a big, big way. Uh, I mean, do you remember, Riley, the last time your phone died on you and you needed it and you were not home and you were away from a charger and you were like, I'm screwed. So. Yeah, hardly yeah, ever. It doesn't, but doesn't yes. happen, but it has <laughs> happened. Uh, I, I can think of one earlier this year. Well, I guess it was in December, but it was really bad situation for me. I was like, how much I have come to depend on this thing and it's dead and I have no way of charging it right now. So having just your phone working, having it, it having power is a big deal. There's a lot of opportunity for there for that. And, and so you don't want your phone dying. So there's something to be said about an extra phone battery charger power or something like that. Um, I'll give you an example of a way you might combine some of these things. You can now buy these little you know, portable power pack chargers for a phone that also have flashlights on them. Now they're not the best flashlights, but depending on your lifestyle, your situation, you might say, you know what, it's that critical that I have spare power on me, that I'm going to buy spare power that has a flashlight. Now, boom, like two birds with one stone. So there's there's ways to kind of, you know, be clever about this. But I do think there's something to be said. I don't care carry extra power on me all the time, but I do always have it in my backpack and I always have it in my car. So that should I be in a situation where I need power, I can plug it in and walk out with it and put it in a pocket. And at least I, I can I can usually get it you know, from where I am. So that, I think, I think there's a lot of value to at least have that conversation. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I, I like having little spare battery pack things for charging my phone as well. I don't know that I have anything that's really small enough that I would carry on, you know, like on my, you know, my, in my uh, pants pockets or anything like that. Um, but, uh, you know, if I got a backpack, I almost always have one tucked away in there. What about, uh, a lockpick set. I know this is a big one for you. You've always got one on you. 
Yeah, I, I found this lockpick set that I, I carry on me on, uh, I don't know, probably was on Amazon or Alibaba or something, but it, it's kind of a concealed as a credit card. It's not as thin as a credit card. It's, it's probably, you know, as like two or three credit cards thick, but it, it kind of looks like it's a credit card. If, if a person was blind, you might mistake it as a credit card. And, but anyway, it fits in my wallet is the point. And it, you know, it slides into any, you know, little pocket where a credit card would fit. And it kind of opens up and, and reveals all the, the lockpick set. It's a very basic set, but I like having that with me. You know, we talked about having a handcuff key and the potential application of that. Well, a lockpick set has probably greater application. The odds of you just being behind a locked door that you need to open are probably much greater than you being in handcuffs that you need to open. Um, so I, I think that a lockpick set is, is has great potential value. And for me, it's a low inconvenience factor. So it's on me all the time. Um, the TSA doesn't mind it. I think you'd be surprised, you know, in terms of legality issues, you don't need any special license or training to carry a lockpick set. But, you know, carrying one is a pretty dumb, worthless idea if you don't know how to use it. I'll add that. Right. I agree. I don't carry one on me all the time, but I, I try to have, you know, I've got one in my vehicle. Um, and part of that is a lot of it's, I, you know, if I don't, I do have a spare key for my house, right? Um, I've got other ways that I might be able to get into my house, but I can pick my way into my house with my lockpick set. And I kind of like that. It's a satisfying sort of thing, you know? Um, I've unlocked uh, padlocks that I lost keys for with uh, my lockpick set. So really handy little thing. And it's, it's good to learn, learn skill, learn how to, how to use it. There's some great kits you can buy online that'll teach you, uh, at least help you learn how to use it more effectively. Let's see. Whistles. Do you carry a whistle? Um, if I have that bracelet with me, we were talking about that paracord bracelet. It has a whistle built into the buckle right next to the ferro rod and, uh, and striker. So if I have the, if I have the bracelet on me, I have a whistle. If I, certain kits, you know, like my, my 72 hour kit, my bug out bag, my camping bag, like all those have whistles in them. So on a day to day basis, it's hit or miss, but there's somebody said about a whistle and I'll, I'll add this the other day, uh, Riley, and maybe I'll have to throw this in the show notes, but, um, I saw a video on YouTube. It was from uh, Brooke Taylor. I don't know if you remember that name, but she has a podcast and she listens to our podcast. She's super cool. And she recorded this little video about EDC backpacks. You know, it's kind of back to school time. And she's talking about all the kind of stuff that she puts in her kids' backpacks. That are, that's light, doesn't take up a lot of space, uh, but has some utility. And she, you know, that she mentioned the whistle in that conversation. I was thinking, you know, you know, certainly, you know, the application for me to have a whistle, maybe not super high, but the odds of my kids needing a whistle are, are much higher. You know, children being able to get attention and call attention to them has great potential value. So anyway, whistles are kind of top of mind for me. And I was thinking about that. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, you've done quite a bit of talking, talking about some of these things that really are a big deal for you. Um, I've got a couple of things I listed here. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying I even carry a lot of these, but I'm bringing them into the conversation so people are aware of them and you know they might consider uh, potential uses for them. Now, one, though, that I am very familiar with, and that, that is a baton or a kubaton. Um, those can be very effective weapons in appropriate contexts. Um, batons you know, especially a collapsible one can take up a very small amount of space. Uh, they do tend to weigh a little bit. Um, you can get them, you know, in aluminum that helps a little bit, but aluminum of course is not quite as strong as steel. Having a little bit of weight in that baton too helps if you actually got a strike with it. Um, but it's something you could consider as being part of your EDC, uh, lifestyle. 
um, brass knuckles, um, check local laws because there's definitely jurisdictions where brass knuckles are outlawed. Uh, but it's something that could, you know, if it's legal for you to have, it could have some application for you as a potential weapon and something that you can throw in a pocket pretty easily and use in a pinch. Uh, here's one that I kind of stumbled on, on, uh, Instagram. I've been seeing a bunch of photos posted on Instagram where I keep seeing these for a long time. I was like, what is that? You know, I, I couldn't quite determine whether it was a weapon, if it was a, uh, well, what it is, is a pry bar. And I was like, huh, this is an interesting concept. Now there's, there's one guy in particular, his name is Zach Woods or Zach Wood, excuse me, uh, Zach Wood Knives, and he makes these little pry bars. Uh, I think he has some four-and-a-half-inch models. I think he has some six-inch six models. I think maybe even has some smaller ones. Obviously, the larger your pry bar is, the more um, you know effective lever that it can be. But uh, I'm like, huh, this is an interesting concept. Well, plenty of guys out there, and some of you listening probably have some experience with this, have broken knives trying to use them as pry bars. And that is one that one nice utility sort of thing about a knife is it can, in a pinch, make a a pry bar when you really need one, but they're not really meant for that use a lot of times, and sometimes people break their knives trying to pry with them. So Zach Wood makes these pry bars that are designed as pry bars, but a lot of times can have a lot of other uses as well. Uh, some of them he makes with uh, bottle openers incorporated into them, and they, they typically are, are pretty sharp on the one end. They could be used as chisels. Um, they could be even used as a weapon, potentially, as a, uh, you know, kind of similar to a, a knife or a, a pick. Uh, they're a little bit, you know, they're pretty large, you know, as far as they're not like a pick, uh, it goes to a point, but it could definitely be used as a weapon. Um, but save your knife from breaking and use a pry bar instead. And I'm really intrigued by this idea of carrying a little pry bar on my person, uh, for that purpose. And there's definitely been many times I could have used one. So really cool idea. Uh, here's one this is going back a few episodes, uh, where we had Gary Quasenberry earlier this year on the podcast and his pick of the week in that episode was a coin sap, a leather coin sap. Well, some of you may not know what a coin sap or a sap, just a sap is a sap is a leather, uh, device, a little, basically like a leather pouch that oftentimes has a piece of lead in the end of it. And so it's a little bit wider on the end. kind of looks like a small mini paddle. Uh, if you're old enough to have to remember paddles in school way back in the day, this is like a paddle, but a really small head on the paddle. But it's made of leather. And the idea with this lead weight in the end of it is that it could be a striking device that is going to cause some damage. Uh, the difference between a sap and a blackjack, some of you are maybe familiar with a blackjack, Basically, a blackjack is the same sort of thing, but it's not flat. It's more like a club, and so its force is going to be on a smaller area, so it has a greater chance of breaking bones. So some people will choose to carry a sap as opposed to a blackjack because they don't really want to, you know, they don't, maybe you want to break bones, well, carry a blackjack, but if you don't want to really break bones, you know, you just want to stun somebody, hurt somebody, uh, you know, to slow them down, a sap might be a better choice. Now, saps and blackjacks sometimes, particularly blackjacks, uh, those are ones I'm familiar with being specifically outlawed in certain jurisdictions. 
But the interesting one that Gary mentioned was the leather coin sap made by Foster Impact Devices. And he basically uses this as a pick, saying how he travels all over the world sometimes and, and in a lot of different juris- jurisdictions. And a lot of times, in, in most jurisdictions, these coin saps are not illegal because it's like a little coin pouch. And, but basically, you're, you're replacing the lead weight in them with a bunch of weight from your coins and it can be an effective weapon, something that you might be able to have in a variety of places where you can't have a gun and you can't have a knife. So I thought that was a really interesting pick, and I had never thought of that. And that would be interesting to have as part of your EDC. Yeah, those. I think there's a lot of credit to those ideas because they they're, they can be very effective, you know, tools and weapons without you know rising any suspicion. And some of you are carrying around a bunch of change and coins in your pockets already. So putting those in a nice little leather coin sap, you know, that that's going <laughs> to extra leverage. Well, I'll tell you these foster coin saps. I mean, they're really nice looking, uh, handmade U S made, you know, high grain or high quality, nice grain leather. Um, they're attractive little coin uh, purses or coin pouches uh, that can double as a weapon. So, and you might even find or 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 make or fashion your own coin pouch that could be used in a similar manner to like a coin sap. Uh, maybe have a little length of uh, string or cord on it, and that thing could be you know whipped around uh, pretty good, and and then do some you know inflict some pain and damage in appropriate contexts. Yeah, yeah, totally. How about phone cases, Riley? Have you seen, I mean, I've seen a lot of different phone cases. You know, you have some phone cases that obviously have all kind of your wallet stuff. You know, it's a wallet phone case. You put in your cards and stuff. But you can buy phone cases also that are like multi-tools that you can pull out. You know, they have screwdrivers that stick out, knives, saws, nail nail files, things like that. So that's another potential idea. If you're already carrying around a phone anyway, um, a phone case might be a very effective uh, EDC kind of tool. And we talked last week about that yellow jacket, you know, Taser style zip, you know, thingamajigger. But there's a lot of other phone cases that out there that have utility as well. Yeah, totally. You know, I saw it at the shot show a few years ago a phone case from uh, Crudo, Crudo knives that had a little knife incorporated into it. It was a, it was a metal case. It was a really cool looking, um, you know, tough looking phone case uh, that. Like I said, it had incorporated into it a little push knife, a little, a little tiny dagger, and uh, that's kind of cool. Let's see here. Now we get to a category that I think we can go through fairly quickly uh, as we're you know we really got to start considering wrapping up this episode today. Uh, a lot of things to talk about though, obviously, and that is underutilized opportunities. And so I'm curious what some of your thoughts are here, Jacob. Yep, I think that there's just there's things that we're already doing anyway, so it doesn't take much more work to, to leverage these things further. So one thing that certainly is true is keychain. You know, most of us have keys. You know, we, we access our keys several times a day. They might be in a pocket and a purse or whatever it might be for you. But it's there's a lot of tools that you can just put onto a keychain or the keychain itself actually can be changed out for a variety of different kinds of multi-tools. Um, there's a lot of, you know, keychain-esque type things to like uh, carabiner style that you can, if you're the kind of person who carabiners your keys onto a belt loop, uh, then there's a lot of those carabiners that can be swapped out for, for various multi-tools and other EDC functional uh, carabiners. So I think a keychain is just an un- underutilized uh, opportunity to have things with you. Yeah. Underutilized opportunities, uh, watch or bracelet. Uh, I I would be lost without a watch. I 
I must have a watch. I always have a watch. Uh, it is evident in the fact that I have a tan line from my watch because I never remove my watch <laughs> to the point that I, I, I eat, drink, sleep, shower, swim, you know, do everything with pretty much a watch on. And uh, so it's imperative to me that I have a solid, tough, well-built watch. Um, I had a really nice, expensive uh kind of higher end watch a number of years ago. Uh, but I did break it and I've, I, I have since gone to Casio G-Shock is kind of my go-to. They're relatively inexpensive and they hold up and they get the job done. Um, I require ones by the way that, uh, really can be used in a diving application, a 200 meter, you know, depth, uh, water resistant, you know, uh, rating type sort of thing that, that that's, that's a must for me. Basically, I don't, I never have any intention of going, uh, more than probably 15 meters deep <laughs> in water, but I just like not having to think about, you know, as far as swimming, rafting, boating, showering, whatever it is, worrying about my watch getting ruined by a little bit of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suspect you have some other thoughts about underutilized opportunities, though, uh, regarding uh, watches or bracelets. Well, I, think, I just think that a watch can have a lot of tools in it, you know, and, and it's also a very personal thing as far as what you want out of a watch. But you can get watches that have hidden compartments. You can get watches that the, the watch band is made of paracord. You can get watches that have compasses on them. A compass could be a very valuable tool. You can get watches that have tachometers and, you know, stopwatches and all sorts. So I just think that we sometimes forget that, hey, that watch actually has a lot of utility in life, survival and self-defense included, um, but not exclusively related to that. So a good watch can, can do a lot of things depending on what you want out of a watch, but don't neglect the power of having that on a wrist. It's a very, um, you know, covert thing that a lot of people aren't going to pay a lot of attention to, and you can do some cool stuff with a watch. You know, I'm glad you mentioned some of that stuff because it reminded me that there are watches out there that have ballistic cal- calculators in them. I think uh, 511 has one like that. Uh, barometers, altimeters, uh, uh, thermometers, GPS tracking, um, GPS tracking. Yes, uh, even to the you know point where uh, you can literally see nowadays with a, a miniature map on your watch face. If you really, uh, there's a few models out there that'll do that. Some will give you basically a homing beacon, you know, showing you the bearing you need to head to get back to home. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really cool tech that can be put into watches now. And we're not even talking really so much yet about the uh, smart watches. A smart watch basically just becomes an extension of your mobile device, your cell phone or whatever. So a lot of uh, opportunities there with watches and watch technology these days. And I'll just quickly throw out a, a plug for Surefire because Surefire has just released a new um, tactical light watch that has dropped in price significantly. They've always kind of had this watch that has this big bright lumen flashlight attached to it. That's kind of designed for a shooter, but they were selling them for like 650 bucks. And we just talked to those guys last week and they've dropped the price to like 300 and something. So, I mean, that's not for everybody either, but another great example of the kind of thing you can do on a watch. Yeah, and we've we've played around with those a little bit. They're kind of cool. I mean, they definitely have some application. Um, I I'm kind of over it a little bit now. I mean, I tell you what, I wore one around for a couple of days, and I thought it was cool because I did find myself using that that little light, you know, in, in basically places where I might normally use my my little pocket flashlight, uh, and that was kind of cool, but. 
you know, I think they were kind of advertising it too. Like you could turn that on and in a fully extended pistol grip, uh, you're lighting up your target and you don't have to, you can have a full grip on that gun and a light pointing right at your target. Yeah. You know what? I'll probably just run a weapon mounted light or, you know, my, my problem there is that it's hard to activate that light while you're drawing your gun. Sure. So, yeah, but uh, it's cool idea and it's a cool product. I, I, I wore it last time I went camping. I wore it and it was like, sweet bonus flashlight that I don't have to reach for. It's right, right here. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Shoes. Shoes. I think, what am I missing? I think there's here? a lot of opportunity for shoes. Um, I, I mentioned my shoelaces, which, you know, you can get, a, you can get a lot of different, they, they, you can also buy shoelaces that are just straight up like Kevlar, uh, stranded rope, which are really good for like breaking, like, uh, you know, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, zip ties, things like that. You can get, uh, you know, there's there's a rope opportunity there that has a variety of applications. Also, because you have rope there, you can tie things onto your shoes. So I've seen fire starters, for example, that you can, you know, it's like a flint and steel kind of setup that can just be looped onto your shoelaces. And it's it looks, it does, it's not, it's not going to draw a lot of attention, just have it tied onto your shoes right there where the laces are. Um, there's a lot of other things out there. You know, Nike for a long time had that little you know, device that w- you would stick into a, into the Nike shoe and it would talk to your iPad or iPod. Remember those days? Well, I think when that came about, a lot of people started leveraging that little compartment for other things. And since I think there's been a lot of creativity out there in the industry about how to fit other little things in shoes. So, I think, you know, I'm not saying like go James Bond on me or anything, but there are some potential things there with shoes. If you're trying to figure out, hey, I really want to have XYZ with me, but I don't know how to manage that. Well, maybe there's a way to have that on your shoe. Cool. Uh, that's awesome. Um, you know, I was thinking as you were going through that, I mean, there's definitely, there, there are boots out there and shoes out there uh, that I've seen that have little pouches, you know, or, or places you might hide things like a handcuff key, or you might even be able to stash a tourniquet or a knife or even a backup gun in some cases in some of these boots and things out there. Um, what about holsters? You, you noted down here, underutilized opportunities, holster. I'm curious what you mean by well, that. Here's what I mean is that you're already attaching a chunk of weight to your belt line. And I think holster manufacturers are getting a lot smarter in part, I think, because of us. But I think holster manufacturers are getting a lot smarter about spare mag pouches on on uh, on their on their mag on their holsters that are built in or that are available to be built in. Now we're also seeing now holster manufacturers that have specific uh, pockets designed for flashlights or for knives or for other things. And so you know, since I already have to have that holster there, it's already going to take up space on my waistline. Maybe you know that company that makes my favorite holster also makes something else that I could slide in on that same spot or the, you know that could be built into that holster that would carry other things. So a holster, I think, is an opportunity to have some other gear with you. Mm. Yeah, those are those are fair thoughts, and you know, we we obviously know well here at uh, concealedcarry.com as we are the exclusive online distributor of the Brave Response holster of the utility that uh, you know a holster can have. Uh, but uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, just in in today doing your EDC pocket dump that you've got your Brave Response holster on, and you've got a spare flashlight in it, and maybe you got a spare knife or whatever. So that's that's cool stuff. Uh, belt. Uh, you, I think we kind of touched on it a little bit because you you talked about your wilderness tactical belt, of which you're a huge fan, and you've got stuff stored away. You know, that's it's it's basically like a money belt. Uh, you've got a lot of things stashed away. Yeah, in I it. don't understand. I, I honestly almost struggle with conceptually understanding why somebody would not have a money belt. Like, if you wear a belt every day, whatever style of belt that is—dress, casual, tactical, 
black, blue, red, black, whatever belt you wear, someone out there makes that exact same belt with a money pouch in it. So like, why, why wouldn't you just get the one with the money pouch and then put some stuff in there like money? Uh, to me, that that's a no brainer. It's just, a I, I, I conceptually don't understand why someone would have a belt that doesn't have a pouch in it. You know, I feel like that comment's, you know, almost uh, directed at me, Jacob. Thank you. Because that was intentional. How come I don't have a belt with a money pouch in it? And by the way, I used to have one that did. Um, but, you know, I have not yet found a belt that uh, maybe I need to do a little more shopping. I, I think the idea is a cool idea. Uh, like you said, it's a great opportunity to stash some spare cash in or a few other things inside but I, I haven't found one yet that works for me as far as whether it works with the uh, holsters that I like to use or, um, you know, and some of that has to do with some, some of them don't have the width that I want. Some don't have the buck, the type of buckle that I want. Um, yeah, that's fair. And, and, and I, maybe I shouldn't have been so strong in my language cause I, I get all that, but, but I think, I think you find if you look hard enough, you can find what you're looking for. We, we've, you know, our unofficial wilderness tactical sponsor here, they have a really nice kind of create your own belt system on their website. You can pick the color, you can pick the width, the width, you pick your buckle, then you pick if you want money belt or not. And even within that, now they have the option of, do you want that money belt to have a zipper or not? And, and I would, generally suggest you don't want the zipper actually because it adds bulk thickness and causes potential issues with with holsters and things so anyway i think i think that if you're flexible you can find something that's that's probably going to work for you you know by the way that conversation we had with them at the expo where they they explained they have this belt option now that is zipperless i went huh you know that because that is one of my things i was never really crazy about the zipper uh, that is in most money belts. And so that that does actually have me intrigued. So I'm glad you reminded me of that. Uh, wallets and money clips. Uh, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of really cool, clever products out there that are wallet slash money clips that incorporate a lot of other tools and things into them. And those are kind of fun to see and, and look into. I don't have anything fancy myself, but I will say as far as like a money clip, uh, this is the closest thing I have to a money clip, uh, like my LEG tactical little, uh, you know, it's a, basically like a card holder, uh, money holder, whatever clip thing. Uh, it's made out of Kydex and uh, they sell a lot of these and they're really cool and simple and cleverly designed, uh, considering how simple they are. And, uh, I, I just, I just love these things. Uh, I got my hands on one for the first time at, uh, the NRA annual meeting. And since then I've got a couple more, um, they've sent me a few. They are actually one of my sponsors as a competitive shooter. And, uh, these, these are just great. They're very handy. They have a lot of utility. I carry a lot of things in, inside my, my little LG tactical clip. Uh, but I suspect you've, do you have any other uh, opinions you'd like yeah, to add Yeah, I mean, there? go Google tactical money clip. I think you'd find that a whole world would open up, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, what the heck are they talking about? There's tons of stuff out there, you know. I mean, you basically could take any multi-tool functionality that you normally get a Swiss Army knife, and you can put that in a money clip uh, today. And, and wallets, I mean, I guess what, when I think of a wallet as an underutilized opportunity, if you have a wallet... I mean, you can put a lot of things in a wallet. Uh, wallet's got a lot of space. Um, I, I mean, I guess my wallet's a little bit big, but it's it's made out of Faraday material, so it blocks electronic, um, you know, access. And I, I keep my my I keep a credit card knife in there. I keep my lock pick uh, set in there. There's a lot of things you can fit in a knife. You could put your handcuff key. You mentioned you have your handcuff key in there. You could put a razor blade. Um, you you can keep cash, you know, of all the things. So anyway, I just think people underutilize that wallet. They don't realize that hey, that's a that's a place to put a lot of things. I might want to have one me. Mm. 
They're also cool, very cool. strong. They're sturdy. I, I think you could, I mean, I've never even thought of this before. I'll just throw it out there. You could probably put fit matches in a wallet and they wouldn't break. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Good thoughts. Uh, I talked earlier on, uh, this came out of my pocket, uh, chapstick or lip balm. And besides, you know, a little SPF protection for my lips during those, those sunny days, uh, besides the comfort issue of, you know, avoiding uh, dry lips, I, I hate my lips being dry. But uh, here's the other application for lip balm or chapstick. And that is if you have a weapon mounted light, uh, this stuff works wonders for applying it on the lens of that light. Because what happens when you're shooting is you got a lot of, uh, you got uh, uh, unspent or unburnt uh, gunpowder residue. You got other residue uh, that is going to build up on the lens of that light. And over time, it gets dimmer. And oftentimes cleaning that that crud off the lens of your light, it can sometimes be a lot more difficult than you'd expect. And the beauty with a little bit of chapstick is you, you apply a thin layer on the lens of your weapon mount of light. And when you get built up gunk on there, just wipe it away and then reapply. Simple, easy, cool little tip. Thought I'd share that with yep. you all. Uh, backpacks or other bags. I, I added this into the list here because, I mean, besides carrying a lot of gear in them, I could carry a small compact uh, uh, carbine. And depending on the design of that carbine, uh, I do have one that I can throw in my backpack uh, or carrying other pistols or things or extra ammunition or all the other tools that you might want to carry with you in a backpack. But get this, backpacks also can make really great defensive tools because it can act as a shield. It can even act as a weapon itself. If you had enough weight or mass and, you know, something in that bag and you could swing that around and, and strike with it. And so don't forget that there are some pretty typical you know, day-to-day, everyday sort of things uh, like backpacks that can still be a very valuable tool in a defensive encounter. Yeah, I'm glad you remembered that because, I mean, a lot of people carry a bag to work every day, whether it's a backpack or a little portfolio bag for their laptop. You know, a lot of people, they, they, you know, they may not have it on you constantly sitting there watching TV, but it is common to use a bag on a regular basis every day. So, yeah, there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. And you can put a ballistic panel in it as well. That's a real simple upgrade to do for about a hundred bucks or less. And you know, now you've got body armor. Yeah. Yeah. In that bag. So good stuff. Last thing here, small canister, Jacob. Yeah. So is that the thing you were talking about? Yeah, I, earlier? I could put this in the show notes or something, or if you guys care, you can email and ask me, but yeah, I just have these little small metal canisters and you could put a ton of stuff in there. You could put medicine. Uh, if you're a kind of person who knows you need medicine on a very regular basis, it's a life-threatening kind of thing. I'd be carrying extra meds on me. Uh, if, if I was, if I was that person, um, I, I mentioned I carry earplugs in there and there's a lot of little things, you know, you can buy these little, these little canisters in variety of sizes. And, and those are a real easy way to carry around something that otherwise might get messy or, or whatever, just sitting in a pocket. Mm. Cool. I'm glad you brought it up. So, like I said, I mean, that is a pretty extensive list of things that we've talked about here today. Uh, it's probably not entirely 100% comprehensive. In fact, I know it's not. I know there's other things out there we we could really probably consider and talk about. But I suspect that for many listening to the podcast, if you haven't tuned out already <laughs> because you've like gotten into that mode of, holy cow, there's a lot of just stuff to talk about, uh, you've probably learned a few things that you maybe never considered before carrying that might have some value in as part of your everyday defensive strategy. And so I hope this was valuable for you. 
Um, and maybe you've thought of some things that you do already have on you or that you do carry on you that you've thought or, you know, that you realize that you hadn't considered all the potential uses for it. So there you go. Unconventional EDC gear. Anything that you'd like to as final words to this ad, Jacob? No, I, I think that, you know, think outside the box and, you know, challenge yourself a little bit and decide what are some of the, you know, if, if you added one thing to your EDC gear today that you're committed to having with you all the time, I'd say that's a big win, right? I mean, just what's, what's one more thing that I can, I can work on. Yeah. You know, and I don't know that it's all about adding bulk or weight or inconvenience to what you're already carrying, but it's about thinking about all the potential uh, things that you might have as tools, as uh, there's a lot of variety of tools. It's thinking about what actually might be useful, both in a kind of utilitarian sort of way, but also in a defensive way. And that's, we're really big on that. I mean, yeah, I don't, not everything I carry on me is for defensive application, but there are a lot of things that, that I do carry that double as both convenience things as well as defensive things. Uh, Just having by, you know, by nature of it being a medical kit, essentially on, you know, a little IFAC on my ankle that I'm starting to wear on a daily basis now, it's really it's it's not a defensive tool as far as I'm not going to use this against a bad guy, but it's going to maybe save my life because I just got done dealing with a bad guy. And now I've got those tools to save my life or the life of somebody else. Every single you know item that I have here in this ankle rig uh, is is very useful in that in that sense. Um, flashlight, very useful, light striking object. Um, you know, there's very few things here that I don't genuinely need or find useful. Um, and I might consider adding Jacob after listening to you, you know, kind of talk us through a lot of it. I might consider trying to have on my person more often some rope or cord, um, and maybe pick up one of those little tiny lockpick sets. So that's kind of a cool idea. I think, I don't know. We'll see. Um, uh, but I did email, by the way, I sent a message off to, uh, Zach Wood at, uh, Z Wood Knives, uh, inquiring about his, uh, pry bar. Uh, product. Uh, I think it's really cool. And that's one I, I think I might add to my EDC. That'd be cool. Yep. Today's episode is brought to you, by the way, uh, by Brave Response Holster. If you're looking for the most versatile, most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market, plus one that can carry a lot of really cool gear because of its built-in spare, well, we call them spare mag pouches, but they don't necessarily exist only for carrying spare mags. Look no further than the Brave Response holster, compatible with nearly any semi-automatic handgun and many types of revolvers, and it doesn't matter what you wear for pants, or even if you wear any pants at all, and that's one of the cool things about the Brave Response holster. I can't carry a lot of this EDC gear if I'm wearing gym shorts, but if I throw on that Brave Response holster, now I have a few more pockets concealed and conveniently located where I can still pack my gun and pack my gear Check out the Brave Response holster at concealedcarry.com forward slash brave response. And today's other sponsor is Live Fire Drill Cards. These revolutionary training aids from Burnett are the slickest drill cards we've ever seen, which is why we partnered with the creator to bring them to you. These cards will walk you through dozens of fundamental shooting skills that will help you shoot better, faster. These cards list all of the requirements to shoot each drill detailed parameters and give you multiple fields to record multiple runs through the drill so you can track your progress. I can promise you, you will see measurable improvement towards becoming a better shooter over time. 
I hope that you'll check out on concealedcarry.com the Burnett Live Fire Drill Cards. And by the way, these were, I think, recently featured in the Concealed Carry magazine. Is that well, right, Jacob? Yeah, actually, something even better than that is what they're going to do now. In every single Concealed Carry magazine, um, they're going to be working with Burnett to feature a drill of the month or a drill of, the, of that issue of the magazine. So you'll see that as a repeating feature in the magazine moving forward. And I think that's another testament to the value of not just, hey, here's some drills, but how to organize in a, in a very kind of clear fashion, how to run that drill, how to record your progress so that you're improving as a shooter. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Very cool. All right. Um, that's our sponsors for today. And don't forget about our, our uh, top of the, the episode sponsor, Andrew Brink as the Law of Self-Defense, and also the opportunity to get in on one of his live in-person level one or level two Law of Self-Defense courses here locally to us in Lakewood, Colorado in November, November, I think, 11 and 12. Hope that you'll check that out. You can also check out on concealedcarry.com forward slash L-O-S-D. Uh, that'll direct you to where you can see a full listing of upcoming classes he has all over the country. So you can find one near you. Picks of the week. We kind of did picks of the week a few days ago, uh, a little prematurely, but we just got back from uh, the NRA Carry Guard Expo and talking about a lot of cool products. And I had for my pick the Wilderness Tactical Ankle Rig that I've been carrying as my little personal IFAC uh, this last week. And uh, I love it. I still love it. Um, it's really, really cool. So this, you know, I could do a cop out and say that this is still just my my one pick, uh, but it's not. Uh, we got an extra episode here and an extra opportunity to give another pick. So my other pick would have to be, based on the things we've talked about today, that is just have a tur- having a tourniquet. Okay, even if you can't have or if you don't feel like having one of these full, you know, ankle rig or some sort of IFAC or individual first aid kit uh, with all sorts of things with quick clot and Israeli dressings and tourniquets, guess what? Just have a tourniquet on your person. I I talked about the merits of tourniquets earlier. I talked about tourniquets like the SWAT T, not the SWAT T, the... Yeah, is it so, no, <laughs> I'm getting all turned around here, Jacob. Let's see. Cat, TK4. Uh, what's the other ones we were talking about? Well, SWAT T is one I remember. So that's my favorite. Ah, uh, there, there's the other one, though, I meant. Oh, Soft T. Oh, soft T. That's what it was. SWAT T, Soft T. That, that, the Soft T tourniquet is basically just a big elastic band. And so it is a little bit challenging to self-apply. It can be done with practice, and I would definitely recommend you get some training and that you practice with that. But at the very least, it's very compact tourniquet that you can actually just throw in a pocket. And so at the very least, if if that's all you can do, and they're not expensive, they're like 10 bucks, I would recommend that you go pick up a soft tea tourniquet today. That's my pick this week. Cool. All right. My pick this week is the United States Concealed Carry Association. Um most people are familiar with the United States Concealed Carry Association, USCCA, and their kind of insurance product or program. We've mentioned their magazine uh, in this show. I, I think that's a cool organization, and I've always been a fan. We've we've known a lot of the people over there, but last week we got the opportunity because we were in Wisconsin for the NRA Carry Guard Expo. You and I also went and visited the USCCA corporate office. Beautiful office, and we got a nice uh, tour there. We got to talk to a lot of the big big players there, and 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 just. It was great. I just really got a 
positive feeling uh, from their office in terms of the corporate environment they have, how they take care of their employees, and and the way that they've grown as a company. And and it's it it's really reassuring to work with and be a customer of an organization that you know is going to be around long term and that you know is doing the right things. So anyway, that would be my pick this week: the United States Concealed Carry Association. Nice. Yeah, and some people may actually think that we are affiliated with them in some official way based on the nature of uh, our our business, <laughs> ConcealedCarry.com, and this podcast, the Concealed Carry Podcast. Uh, we are not the U.S. Concealed Carry Association, but we do support them in their efforts to educate the public, to promote concealed carry, uh, and they, they do a pretty good job at, of it. So anyway, good good pick, Jacob. Coming up next, it looks like you're taking a trip to Breckenridge. Yeah, at an undisclosed time this this month of September, I will be heading to Breckenridge. Uh, it's kind of an annual tradition for our family to spend uh, a weekend during the fall in Breckenridge. We love Breckenridge, Colorado. I, I love that city. I don't go during the winter because I don't ski, and thank goodness, but I love that town during the summer. It really gets quiet and calm, and it's a beautiful place, great place to go for a hike. So if you're a local and you don't hang out in Breckenridge during the summer, shame on you. Huh. Once again, Jacob is speaking to me, apparently. <laughs> Interpret it however you like. I, I have zero desire. I know this. Is, some people will be like, Breckenridge is so awesome. I have zero desire to go there, frankly. But uh, me, when I go, when I head to the mountains, I'm not going to all the hot spots. I'm I'm looking for the, uh, for the spots devoid of people and amenities. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, allowed. Yeah. Anyway, that's cool, man. I hope you guys have a great time. Uh, it is. It is a cool, a cool town. And uh, you and I were just up there not too long ago for a little business meeting, and that that was fun. Um, for me, you know, I'm going to try to lay low this weekend, being Labor Day, and being that I've been on the road a bunch uh, recently, and uh, you know, I, I'm just going to lay low, work on some things around the house. It is Labor Day, so obviously we got a holiday coming up here on Monday. Um, I don't know whether that means we're going to get a podcast out on Monday or not, uh, but we will look forward to getting back on track somewhat next week as our mid of the week episode next week. I'll go ahead and introduce right now, planning on uh, interviewing with Andy Brown, author of the book Warnings Unheeded, which is a story about a active shooter situation that occurred at Fairchild Air Force Base uh, back in the early, early, early mid almost mid nineties. And it is, um, it's a fascinating story. It's an excellent book. We'll talk about that some more. I look forward to getting into it with Andy. Uh, the fascinating thing about Andy is he didn't just write the book. Uh, he wasn't just there at the air force base when this all happened. He is the guy that stopped the, the attacker, the active shooter, uh, with a bullet to the head. So I'll leave it at that for right now. Uh, in other words, you know, he had a long career in law enforcement and, and he, he knows this stuff. He gets it. Um, and he's he's just the man to, to write that kind of story. And I suspect we'll have a lot of really great lessons learned and things that we might think about and consider for our own selves, you know, our own lives, uh, wherever it is that we may be or wherever it might be that we find ourselves to be thinking about potential active shooter scenarios and, and how we might respond and what we might learn from this experience that he had uh, a little more than 20 years ago. So that'll be a fun one. So with that, we're going to sign off another episode of the Concealed Carry podcast. Uh, Jacob, uh, 
it's been a pleasure of course having you on like like usual uh any last words for the folks yeah have a safe labor day weekend and sorry that we've been kind of late getting episodes out the last couple weeks it's just with the travel and other things it's been it's been challenging but hopefully we'll get back in schedule and uh we certainly regardless of anything else we're always committed to getting you two a week even if they come a little late Absolutely. And last week, he really got kind of a bonus, even though it was late, but we got those two episodes together with Mark Passamanek. And if you haven't listened to that one, or those two episodes, episodes uh, one, what was that? 150A and 150B. 150B. I think that's right. Really fascinating interview I had together with Mark. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, a lot of great content in those two hours of, of audio content. Go back, check it out. With that, this is Riley with the Concealed Carry Podcast and Jacob signing off. We remind you to train right, train often, train safe, so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everybody. Reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.